Good morning. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and welcome to Healthy Options. Our topic today is shamanic healing, and our guests are Susan Bakley Marshall and Chris Marshall. Susan Bakley Marshall is a board-certified art therapist, licensed clinical counselor, and shamanic practitioner. Susan is also a creative arts therapist with Maine General Community Hospice and provides trainings and workshops for the Maine Arts and Hospice Project. She maintains a private practice as an art therapist, which includes a healing practice specializing in trauma recovery, grief counseling, and end-of-life issues. Chris Marshall, Ph.D., is a professor of anthropology at Unity College. Among his extensive accomplishments, he has traveled to Macedonia and Bulgaria to do ethnographic fieldwork with traditional musicians. And also closer to home, he has done fieldwork with Maine Indian basket makers. And most recently, Chris has been researching the historical archaeology of early Euro and Afro-American settlements in the central Maine backcountry. He is also a shamanic practitioner. Susan and Chris have studied with traditional masters of Kabbalah and for many years have experience with Nepali and other shamanic traditions. They are members of the Society for Shamanic Practitioners and Foundation for Shamanic Studies. They've been practicing shamanism for 23 years and have taught basic and advanced classes in core shamanism in Midcoast Maine for 17 years. And in addition, they maintain a private practice offering shamanic healing sessions. Welcome to Healthy Options, Susan Bakley Marshall and Chris Marshall. Thank you. It's so wonderful to have you here. It's great to be here, Rhonda. Good. So um, for some people, uh, hearing about a shamanic healing or shamanic, the world of of shamanism is is, uh, familiar, but for many people it's not. And I'm wondering if you could just kind of give us a little bit of 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 an introduction of what shamanism is, and I know we're going to do a little bit of something uh, uh, to, to demonstrate that in, in a little bit, but maybe you could just explain what, what it is that you do in, as a, uh, with shaman, what it is to be a shaman, uh, and then we'll take it from there. Shamanism is the, is the journeying to other levels of, of reality in spirit form for the good of oneself or other people in the planet. And that involves uh, explaining what spirit means and what journeying means. Uh, And we can do that. Yes. Um, From the shamanic point of view, everything has a spirit, and spirits exist. Uh, Shamanism isn't a a belief system. It's not a faith. It's a set of techniques. And from the shamanic point of view, one can meet and, and encounter spirits uh, it's something that that we do all the time. Um, many of us do it in the form of dreams. Uh, and from a shamanic point of view, it's a more focused uh, practice of going to meet spirits and talking with them. Um, you don't have to believe that spirits exist. Uh, if you do these practices of, of shamanism, one does meet spirits and one does en- encounter them. Uh, so it's a it's something that one does. Rather than what, what rather than what one believes, ah, so it is not a religion. It's not a belief system. It's it's, it's a series of techniques. I love that. I love that you said that. So when when you're going on, you mentioned this journey. What what does that mean? Is that an altered state of consciousness, or is there? What are we talking about with that? Well, it definitely is an altered state of consciousness, known as the shamanic state of consciousness. 
Um, or um, one way to talk about it is going to invisible realms um, and traveling or journeying. And journey process, certainly um, there's a method to that. Um, we use drumming, percussion, and it literally does change the brain waves. Um, about 10% of the communities, indigenous communities around the world, maybe a little more, actually use chemical substances. But here in Maine, we're using <laughs> we're <drumming. laughs> percussion. We're drumming. Using and and it, it could also in, involve rattling. It can involve voice. Any um, repetitious, monotonous um, sound. And, and sometimes uh, shamans do movement as well trance dances and that kind of thing. I would think that this is also kind of, uh, it can be a meditation pre practice to get to a different, to different levels of um, consciousness. Yeah, there's a, there's a difference between meditation and shamanic journeying. Oh. Meditation involves, uh, as I understand it, and the little bit that I've practiced, involves uh, letting the mind go, letting, letting feelings and thoughts that enter the mind pass through and go out. So it's, it's uh, aiming for a, a, state of, a state of rest, a state in which the mind calms down. Uh, shamanism is different. It's, it's a matter of, of focusing on a certain in, intention, in, 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 intention to heal, uh, intention to heal, intention to get information, and holding that intention as one travels and asks to meet with spirits. So it's much more focused than meditation is. It's focused on a certain goal. Meditation is focused on emptying. Uh, so they're both valuable mental uh, disciplines, but they're very different. So we, um, I think we're coming to a good, a good point where we can perhaps explain what, that, what the whole idea of spirit means. Are we saying that there are entities, that there is, is this physical, is this ethereal? What, what, what in fact are we uh, addressing when we, we use those words? Hmm. Well, as we mentioned before, um, it's not a belief system, but it's direct experience. It's experiential. People have direct revelation through the journey process. And one way um, of doing that, of course, is to honor and, and to notice, to find um, a guardian spirit, a helping spirits. Uh, they could be ancestors. Um, and we use the, the help of the, the spirit and, you know, spirit presence. They are actually working through us. Now, personally, I've, um, in my training, have, have worked with a lot of helping spirits. And it isn't so much that we need to convince people that spirits exist. Right. It's about the personal, you know, our own reality of what the experience is. Plus, in um, the healing work that I do, people, um, I, I do not see myself as doing the healing. I am engaged in collaborating with my spirit helpers who um, are guiding and informing me. Um, and in other cultures, as Chris can probably elaborate on, um, it's very clear that most indigenous cultures 
um, understand that that spirits they don't question whether spirits exist. Our Western point of view um, right. has a tendency to question that, but it also is not a matter of faith. It's a matter of direct experience. Direct experience and, and technique. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so there are ways that you the things that you're using that that bring bring us in touch with this with these these other levels of, of consciousness that would you say that we all possess that you're kind of guides in, in that way to we help all seem, people? Yeah. We all seem to have the capability of doing it. Shamanism isn't isn't limited to North American native peoples as many people think in this culture. Mm-hmm. Every every culture throughout the, throughout the world now on every in, in, inhabited continent uh, has practiced shamanism in its past. And that means shamanism is a human birthright. The techniques of shamanism and the insights from it belong to everyone. Uh, consequently, the kind of shamanism that we teach isn't, isn't coded to a particular culture. It's a, it, it, it consists of what Michael Harner, who's a famous anthropologist and who heads the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, calls core shamanism. Core shamanism consists of the techniques that are, are common to cultures around the world, but don't take from any one culture's sacred beliefs. Uh, that's the kind of thing that we teach. It's kind of the idea that it's, it's, it has emerged, these techniques have emerged in so many different places. Exactly. It's, it's such an interesting thing. There, there must be something to it. It's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's everywhere, Rhonda, and it's also traditional. It's centuries old. There you go. So... It's very important to clarify that this is not a new age movement. It's an old age. <laughs> and for old. centuries, shamans have worked, you know, in their environments with plants, with medicinal herbs, um, with um, local spirits. And, and the other thing is to recognize that shamans um, have results. Otherwise, they're only called shamans if they have results and if healings happen. Let's just have a moment of thinking about that, Hmm. just letting that settle in. Now, I know that one of the things you do is there's a technique that you start with, and I thought we would, you thought perhaps it would be nice to to kind of create that kind of environment here and and for our listeners as well, if if that's appropriate. Well, that that would work out fine. when we do uh, healings or our shamanic circles, we like to call in the directions. In our tradition, which is Jewish, it's called, they're called winds. And um, very simply, what I would like uh, to welcome the listeners to do is to also notice anything right now that they're grateful for. Um, gratitude and blessings are part of the shamanic path, and it's important to... Um, to acknowledge what's around us and notice that we are part of the fullness of the life web. Um, So I would really welcome people to be grateful for um, whatever circles they have in their life. I'm thinking right now we are on the airwaves and the web and the circle of WRU is certainly Mm -hmm. extensive out there and the different circles connect as hoops. Um, we are certainly um, in that connection, very um, aware of our ancestral spirits at this time. 
and honor them and welcome them to be here and present in this realm as we acknowledge the invisible realms. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I'm having goosebumps. <laughs> that was very lovely. Has, has everyone out there, those driving, I hope you did not close your eyes. Uh -huh. I didn't ask anybody to close their eyes. <laughs> I know, but just in case. Let's open them in case you have. <laughs> Rhonda, you're asking about what, what we mean by spirits. There are people that work with energy, people that do Reiki, for example, and that's valuable work. Uh, but spirits are, are different from energy. Energy is a substance, as I understand it. You might say it, it's a substance that flows. Spirits, you might say, are, are entities that have a personality. Uh, they have a character, they have in, in, intentions, and they have power. Uh, so energy work, while valuable, is a different thing. Than, than shamanic work with spirits, just as meditation is a different work than shamanic journeying. Uh, would, would you say that these spirits are, um, is there, I know we've, we, there, I've been reading and we, we talk about different level, upper, upper and lower and middle um, areas. Um, would you say that, that spirits are, are from human beings or is it from hmm. animals or? How, how, how do we, uh, what are we tapping into with those personalities? Good question. Well, I believe we're tapping into a very large cosmology and that even though there's a language such as upper world and lower world and middle world, that's to give us language, there's actually a complete connection of the invisible realms or the spirit realms. When we talk about um, those realms, we're, and the spirits, as you were asking, we're tapping, it can be different for different people. And individuals really, through the core shamanic way that we teach, um, people are really finding their own guides and teachers. Um, guardian spirits could be an animal, a power animal. Um, Personally, I have many teachers that are from my ancestral um, background, which go back um, quite a ways, and some of them are prophets. And so it's, it's quite a unique... Um, I'm sure there are other people that may also, in the shamanic uh, path, work with these same beings, but it becomes a personal relationship over time. And it is, you know, very important to realize that doing this work is a discipline and a practice, and it changes over time. So the core, what I'm trying to emphasize is the core shamanic uh, piece of, of the way we use core shamanism is, is people create their own roadmap of the spirit realms. I want to follow up on that in a second. I just want to let those who just tuned in um, remind you that you're listening to Healthy Options. It's uh, on WERU Community Radio. I'm your host, Rhonda Feynman, and we're discussing healing and shamanic practice with our guests, Susan Bakley Marshall and Chris Marshall. And um, let's pick up on, on that. What, what happens when you're helping someone 
any healing or what what how how are you using the guides? How do you tap into that and what what happens? Right. Um, well, let's talk about when we teach someone to journey. Okay. I think that might be mm-hmm. a good way. And then we can talk yes. about the healing because great. it's actually the same. Okay, and great. we really like to, as Chris had mentioned earlier, to reinforce that um, it's our birthright. We're all connected in the shamanic um, ancestry one way or another. And some of us are cut off or, or closer to our roots than others. But teaching someone how to uh, do shamanic journeying is that is a method and it's very um, exciting and interesting and usually fun and so people can learn how um, you know take the mystery out of something that has a lot of myth to it and and people learn how to do this through the use of the drum or some other percussion sound that's repetitious, that changes the brain wave. Um, Typically, people are lying down, have their eyes closed. Darkness is a good way. Um, And they begin their process with with direction, some structure. The teaching is, is teaching a technique so each person, each individual, can find their own teachers, can find their own power, do we say? Find their own power mm-hmm. filled mm-hmm. <laughs> power, mm-hmm. yes. Find their own way of, of, of maintaining balance in their own That's right. situation. Uh, you can journey for healing, for yourself or for others. You can journey for information. Uh, you can journey to, uh, to divine what's going on in your life or other people's lives. So it's a matter of information and healing for good purposes. That's why you would journey. It's also fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one and one one leaves with a sense of power, a sense of, uh, of fulfillment. It's that too. So tapping into to what I th- I think in our our Western culture we have the sense that we're individuals that somehow mm. we have we're here because of our own stuff. We've our own <laughs> our own effort effort or will or something. Um, but in fact. When we talk, what we're talking about is that, that great connection, that, that, mm-hmm. that really that cosmic connection, and therefore that, that there is perhaps other ways that we've been assisted, would you say? Yeah, that makes sense from, from our point of view, from a shamanic point of view, that makes sense. We all have power. If we didn't have power, we wouldn't be here. We would be dead. Uh, <laughs> power flows through us. Uh, power is like, uh, is, is like spirit, but power has some... some uh, well, power behind it, uh, and it's possible to lose your power. We all we all have those moments, uh, we all have those times in our life when we feel as though we've lost some of our power, or given it away, or surrendered it, or misplaced it somehow. Uh, one way to recover that power, or to help other people recover their own power, is uh, to to do shamanic journeying, to contact the spirits who are there to help us. Spirits are entities uh, that want to make life go well and want to relieve suffering and pain in the universe. Uh, there are spirits that spirits don't have bodies. We have bodies. We also have spirits. We're kind of unique in the world that we have both mm-hmm. of those things. Spirits don't get to have bodies. And, but they want to work with us because they want to help. Uh, so 
by shamanic journeying, you can work with, contact, get help from spirits whose, whose wish is to help the world go better for suffering humans. We suffer because we're in bodies and because we have instincts and we've been programmed by, our, uh, by evolution to have fear and, uh, and to try to avoid suffering. But that can get us into problems and we can lose power. Spirits can help us with that. So if I took a class, how would we begin um, teaching? How do, you, how do you teach a technique, these techniques? Well, we talk about shamanism a little bit, like we've done here, and so that's a good start. And then we um, literally tell people to um, certain methods that re require them to think about a personal place for them, and we'll start with a lower world usually. Which is meaning? Meaning, well, journeying to... Um, an, an invisible spirit realm known as the lower world. Okay. And this, this is not to be confused yeah. with the underworld where Al Capone lives. It's a different <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh, most, most shamanic cultures conceive of, because we, we, we live in three dimensions, we're humans, right. so we tend to see the universe as having places in three dimensions, and most cultures talk about a lower world, a middle world, which is this world that we live in, we're and in an the upper world. world. We're in the middle world from mm -hmm. a shamanic from a common shamanic point of view, and an upper world, too. Okay. The upper world typically is, is the abode of teachers and helpers, guides, you might say. The lower world is typically uh, the abode of, well, helpers as well, uh, but uh, those who want to work with us on a daily basis, as, as somewhat distinct from teachers. Uh, so we teach people how to travel to the lower world, how to journey to the lower world first, and to meet helpers there. Uh, you were saying, Susan, about how we do it? Well, we use um, a drum, and people um, travel to the lower world um, that yes. way. And it's a process. You know, we start out very slowly, having them visualize certain uh, location for them to enter mm -hmm. the lower world um, through a connector or a tunnel. Um, and it's, it, it, people, um, some people are very quick at it. Some people, it takes a little longer. Um, it's not a difficult process, but it's a, a different thing that people are, are used to. And also what comes up, there are a lot of issues that come up around, am I using my imagination? Um, is this really real? Mm -hmm. And what we say is imagination comes from somewhere. And really, I can't, we can't answer if it's real. You will know by the results and how you feel. Um, so uh, it's I, 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 I love that. I, and, yeah, that's a great answer. Imagination comes from somewhere. And if you speak to creative and you're musicians, writers... Uh, any kind of creative person, often they will describe the creative process as, mm -hmm. as another dimension. I, I'm writing this novel, but I, I don't, I'm just so curious to see what happens next. I can't wait to find out how, exactly. what happens to Gertrude in, you know, in my book. <laughs> right? So, right, the, again, again, 
the letting go, the ability to, to just let go and allow Get, this 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 seems this seems to be very important in this process. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Get out of you Getting know sometimes, the but the thing is, you get out of your own way, and in some ways, we're we're um, aware of the ego and realizing we need to put that aside as to expectations. Uh-huh. And l- at the same time, if you're in a journey, you're doing a shamanic journey, you can also ask for help. So if things are too dark, you can ask for it to become lighter. You can be, you know, if we start thinking about all the stories like Alice in Wonderland um, and Jack and the Beanstalk, you know. Extremely we, shamanic yeah, stories. Right. Yeah. So that um, you, and the thing about journeying too is that you, um, one thing to indicate is that this is very different than an out-of-body experience. You're very much in your body, and you can actually notice or see yourself in the invisible, you know, in the spirit realms. So it's very different than an out-of-body experience, which is another thing that people question, you know, ask about when we're teaching. So, yeah, so you're not leaving your body. As a matter of fact, you're probably more solidly in your body than... And perhaps uh, with a great uh, awareness that you're in your body. We encourage that. Yes. Uh, And grounding is also very important. The drum helps with the grounding. You can be experienced shamanic images and a journey. And at the same time, if the phone was going to ring, you would hear that. You can come back at any time. The drum also, through an entire journey, will call, you know, we do time it for teaching purposes, and we call people back through a different kind of drumming. So it, it, it is all very structured and, and acknowledged and, uh, you know, a, a teaching process that people can easily do. Well, going... The, 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 it seems, though, that to be a shaman, yes, to learn how to journey, but it, there's more to it. Or is there not? Am I making it more complicated? Well, I think you might actually be making it more complicated. <laughs> Once you know how to journey, it's fairly straightforward because the experts aren't Susan and me. We teach you how to do it. We'll get you started, and we'll guide you uh, through questions on the way. But really, the teachers are the spirits. And once you learn to contact them and speak with them and interact with them, and get to know each other's personalities and care for each other, um, those are the teachers. We just set you up for it. Okay, and then in your, in your classes or what, in all of your training, mm-hmm. once you t- contact, uh, did you learn then techniques about how to work with the, the well, spirit? I'd just like to step back a little bit and respond to what Chris said in, in your previous sure. question, if you don't mind, Rhonda. No. Um, it, it's also, you know, and, and like to just share that um, a practice changes over time, and this is a discipline. So in terms of it's not, the methods aren't complicated, but if one doesn't practice, you, um, evo- evolution or changes or results come from any practice. Like when I... Uh, decided to immerse myself in shamanism. I had certain intentions, but I I knew um, I'd already 
um, wondered about, I didn't think I'm going to be a shamanic healer or a practitioner. Um, over a course of time, things change and evolve and we're guided, we become guided. So I think it's important mm -hmm. to know that the methods may not be complicated, but our lives are transformed. And, and the practice yeah. and, will and create practice a deeper understanding. And deeper yeah. level, yes. Such as uh, being yeah. a beginner guitarist and then becoming a master. Yeah, you yeah. might say, yeah. yeah. You know, the practice. This can, be, this can be very practical. Once you learn to travel to the lower world, which is the abode of the place that helpful spirits reside, uh, there's, a whole, there's a whole geography to the lower world. Our, our, our language still preserves vestiges of that. We talk about seventh heaven, levels of, levels <laughs> of heaven, things like that. Uh, that's a vestige of earlier beliefs about different levels in the upper world. Sure. So one can explore the geography of the lower world, and one can explore the personalities of the spirits, the helpful spirits that one, one meets. And one can explore one's own abilities, as Susan was saying. Uh, those grow over time with exploration. So let's... Um talk a little bit about that healing process. Um, by the way, I'm Rhonda Feynman, and you're tuned to the Healthy Options Program on WERU Community Radio. We're speaking with Susan Bakley, uh, yes, Bakley Marshall, and Chris Marshall about shamanic healing. Make sure we pronounce everything correctly. And uh, we're talking um, right now uh, about, about exploring those, those realms with the healing helpers. So. Why would someone go to a shamanic healer? What, what happens? That's a nice broad question. People can be ill for a lot of reasons, as we know. Uh, and, and medical practices can be extremely useful. This is a spiritual practice, though, and it complements it, 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 it medical techniques, herbal techniques, very well. Uh, it's a different kind of, it's an adjunct to it. People have known this for centuries. Uh, we tend to have forgotten it since the age of an, an Enlightenment, when, when somehow we begin to believe that only material things are real, uh, the, the evidence that we've seen from practice is that there are other realities as well. Uh, our experience has been that spiritual realities exist. And uh, one can call on those entities for healing. Do you want to say more about that, Susan? Sure. Uh, you asked why someone might contact us. Um, people know a lot what they need often um, and so I get a lot of calls from people they're saying just something doesn't feel right um, it doesn't have to be physical symptoms but often there is so sometimes you know it varies but a lot of times people are aware that um, they have felt different since childhood or there's been issues that keep coming up that they you know and they've tried other things. They've tried therapy or they've tried, you know, or, or, or they, you know, have things that just nothing is really helping. Um, so if they choose to come for an appointment, we indicate to them that we'll do a diagnostic journey for them, which is different. It may not have anything to do with any of the medical model. Um, it, it's really journeying as we had talked earlier about our spirit helpers and getting guidance and seeing what we see and noticing what we notice and a lot of it is perception of how you know the relationship with our helpers um, 
they are really doing the work, and we give the language to it. So the helpers so. will give you information. Mm -hmm. There is ancestral. They may go talk like that. Will they talk on a, a physical level too? There's yes. a mitral heart valve issue, you know. <laughs> go, not um, in those words, but you know, just something heal the heart or, and, and or something like that. I mean, you and, and another on? yeah, and there's other ways too. Some of the diagnostic is is um, you know the word for shaman means seer. So we're looking, we look at a person and we're in an altered state or shamanic state of consciousness, of course. And so, you know, a lot of times I like to say that my teachers or my helpers are using my eyes. And I, I happen to see sometimes images. A lot of times I do get auditory information. And a lot of time that information doesn't mean anything to me, but it will mean something to the client. Oh, right. And so in terms of, you know, understanding that I bring forth what I am guided to say, and it can happen in the moment, usually, or we're giving a synopsis or a summary of what happens. Right. But, but to get back to the seeing part, it's really literally looking at the body. But I do it in many, on, the, um, on several levels, and, and those are emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical. And sometimes looking at the chakra system. I mean, it varies with different people. Sure. But it, it really helps to get a reading or a diagnosis on those different levels and bring back that information for the client. Mm -hmm. and, and also to decide what treatment will be. Yes. That's what... Right. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. What is a treatment? Treatment may mean maybe many things. It really depends on the person. Uh, some treatments that we've done include uh, once we may have diagnosed that there's an, uh, there's an entity in there that got in there that shouldn't be in there. That can happen in a lot of ways, by the way. That can mm -hmm. happen because uh, you had an opening in you. You gave something away. Uh, you were ill. You were weak. And something sort of moved in. It's typically not something evil or malevolent. It's something that's sort of barged in there and needs to get need to get out, and it may be causing problems. Well, the person may have asked it in because it was helpful, but it may not be helpful now. Uh, so it may need to be removed. It may need to come out. And uh, the treatment would involve asking that entity, getting the entity to move out where it's no longer useful. And that's the kind of thing that we with our helpers are able to do if that's what's necessary. Would, would you say there is an awareness of, of the entity that, of where they are or what What's happening? Is there of interest? Well, it depends. Yeah. Because sometimes they're, they're not necessarily beings that had human form. Um, and it could be obsessive thought forms. It could be um, elementals. Um, but I also think that, you know, one of the overviews of shamanic healing is to, to look at some of the larger picture that we can say from the shamanic point of view that there's power loss, there can be um, partial soul loss, there can be spiritual, localized spiritual intrusions, and then, as Chris had been talking about, there can be, um, you know, some uh, vi varieties of possession. So, what happens next? You have a 
conversation mm -hmm. of some sort? You, yeah. Well, we do. Are there other techniques? Are there yeah. Once, once we, we have worked with the spirits to do some diagnosis, we see if we, what kind of information we've gotten about techniques, techniques to treat whatever's going on. If there's, an, if there's power loss, if the person's battery level is low, you might say, if it's being drained away, uh, this might be a matter of teaching them how to journey, teaching them how to find a, an, an ancestral helper or a power animal to help them be re-empowered through contact with that spirit. The spirit wants the person to be in full power and health. And perhaps it involves finding a, getting that person, or, or us finding a helper for them, or themselves, them finding, they finding a helper for themselves. That may increase their power, if that's what the problem is. Get their battery up again. If there's an intrusion, we may work with them. We may work with that intrusive spirit to ask it to move, to ask it to go away where it's no longer useful. That may involve dialogue with the person. So that, but it's not something forcible that we do. It's not something we don't f force it to leave. We dialogue with it and ask it to leave and get it to leave. And, and I'd also like to add, that, you know, explain a little bit um, how, you know, trauma is one of the issues that can cause, for example, soul loss or power loss or both. Um, once again, we're using language for some things that often are hard to describe because it's in the moment and we're, we're also um, in an altered state. So sometimes um, we don't always remember all the details, actually. Um, we know enough, and the person often or most frequently feels better. But I think that how um, people come to have difficulties, you know, obviously varies. But... Um, one of the things I can talk about is the soul retrieval process because that has a lot to do with even um, fears or um, it doesn't have to be major traumatic events. Sure. And uh, partial soul loss happens, uh, you know, as a therapist I'd noticed for many years that people would be out of their bodies or dissociated, you know, either due to um, early childhood sexual abuse or various uh, parent parental divorce, different kinds of things. They might have witnessed um, family violence. And it's very hard to work with people when they're not home in their bodies. So this soul retrieval process was very um, helpful to help people return to themselves, to their authentic selves, bringing back um, these soul portions that were no longer there. And why, why does the soul leave? The soul leaves because it's finding a safe place in the spirit realms. You know, and uh, when, people, when, when people have that experience and we describe it and we, that part is back, they get it, they understand, they feel differently, they feel more full. The other thing is the universe does not tolerate a void and so if you have dissociated, have had traumatic experiences, and dissociation has occurred, 
this is where other um, intrusions can also happen without people even noticing it. Because, we're, you know, we have our manifest bodies. We're also spirit beings, you know. So we, we're interchanging. We're larger than our manifest bodies. So we're interchanging with energies and, and different um, experiences. Like if someone gets angry at us, we might take that in. It's not necessarily ours, but it could be, you know, different... Um, way of, of saying that there's an intrusion. Mm-hmm. So how does one retrieve soul parts? Do you go looking for them in the different yeah. levels? Or? And it, it's as we talked earlier about the journey process, we are literally journeying. For that, I go with, a, I actually have a, a special team of helpers that that are specific for soul retrieval. And... Um, I, I journey with them and, yes, um, locate where those soul parts are. Sometimes we cannot return, you know, do all the work in one session. And so that's important for people to know. Um, and, but a lot of times, you know, one session can really make a difference for people. Uh, what we do when we travel when we journey to the soul parts with our helpers is to ask them whether they're ready to return. We explain this person is now in a different place than when their part of the soul left. It was much earlier. They left to be safe then. Now it's different. This client here is ready and stronger and able to defend her or himself. And we ask if the soul part is willing to come back. Hmm. If it's not, we don't bring it back forcibly. It's not about that. If it still doesn't feel it's quite safe yet, then we don't bring it back. If it's ready to come, we escort it back and we literally blow it into the person's breastbone (laughs) and the top of the head. Mm -hmm. Uh, We literally restore it to that person, and then that person's soul, their spirit, is a little more complete. And they feel more at home, as Susan said, in the body. They've been feeling out of sorts, and they've been feeling uh, like the country music songs, say, she took a piece of my heart when she left, etc. They felt that, and now they feel a little more at home, and they can do the work that they need to do because they're all there. Let's just take that in for a moment. I'm loving mm-hmm. this. This is so interesting. And so um, the idea of ultimate balance, really, of really um, seeing how our lives have impacted our bodies and our, and our psyches and mm-hmm. our emotions and on every level, and then, and then finding a way to become whole. Mm-hmm. Yes. But in a way that we're, we're, you're, you're guiding, but we're also uh, able to get some techniques to help ourselves do that. Right. For those of you who just joined us, um, this is Healthy Options on WERU Radio. I'm Rhonda Feynman. Our guests today are Susan Bakley Marshall and Chris Marshall. They're shamanic healing practitioners, and we're discussing um, how to use um, shamanism and, and learn about shamanism and, and as, a healing, as a healing modality. So now we've you've done this whole retrieval. Is do you give people instructions? You need to uh, I don't know what what kind of instruction might be useful in the midst of this journey. Well, I think it's partly guidance that was received in the journey information that will be compatible with how they integrate. 
um, that's very important. The other, the other piece is that we really basically tell people to notice how they're doing. Sometimes they notice a difference right away, and sometimes it's, it's a very gentle process, actually. And a very, um, it's important to kind of talk about how compassionate it is, because our helpers are the compassionate, benevolent helpers. And the healing work um, in, often needs to be very gentle for people, especially if they've had trauma. Um, one way to share with people how to integrate is to look at their younger selves. Often there's younger soul parts that come back, not always. And it's about reparenting, essentially. You know, just indicating to reparent um, in a way that works for them. Sometimes sitting in a rocking chair getting a stuffed animal. I know these things sound a little, um, I don't know. Uh, they don't know, sound that, as meaningful oh, okay. as they really are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, as I'm, and as I'm saying this, knowing it's broadcasting over the airwaves, oh, go sit in a rocking chair and hold a stuffed animal. But no, but it can be very helpful for people that need to acknowledge that a five-year-old a healthy five-year-old part of themselves has returned, and if they don't acknowledge that inner child, you know, or that child part in some fashion, um, giving it its favorite food, chocolate or oatmeal or whatever, you know, these are these are these are daily life things that happen all the time, and it can be um, fun for them, you know, to do some, some nice, gentle uh, things or, or, or do whatever this child wants, this inner child or child part wants them to do. Otherwise, the soul part can leave again if it gets scared. It needs to feel safe. So when we're talking about... Um so the soul retrieval, that means that there was possibly something that took the place of that part of the soul. And that, that's when you were talking earlier about asking entities or whatever we would call them to, right. to gently leave. So there, so there are no voids. Yes. So there are no voids. Exactly. There is always a fullness of something. And what, what your work is to yeah. create a, right. a, a fullness of that healing <clears throat> The, it's like the, the universe is benevolent somehow. Yes, the universe yes. is. Uh, our experience has been, and the experience of, of most shamanic cultures has been, that there are dangers in this universe. There are many dangers in this universe, and there are spirits there that are, that are malevolent or neutral or mixed, just as there are people. But those tend to exist in the middle world, in this world that we know. Uh, this is the middle world. In the upper and lower world, the further out you go from the middle world, those don't exist. The spirits are, are divine, you might say, in some language, benign, compassionate spirits in the lower world and in the upper world that want to help. By the way, this is a reason that we don't teach middle world work, working with middle world spirits, uh, until uh, you have some experience. Because middle world spirits, like the people you meet, you don't necessarily trust everybody with your wallet, you know. Uh, you don't necessarily trust that the spirits you meet in the middle world are going to be benign or helpful. They may or may not be. For example, in some places, ancestral spirits exist that are, are, are very much uh, motivated to work for the benefit of their people or their clan, but they can be vicious to outsiders. Uh, in, in Siberia uh, and in Mongolia, 
spirits can be very beneficial to their own people but very hostile to others. You want to watch out with a spirit like that. We don't work with that. Uh, we don't work with such spirits. Some of the spirits that may intrude into a person's vacant spots, as you call them, uh, maybe maybe that kind of spirit. They may not be wholly beneficial. They may be mixed. Uh, so we we ask them to leave. They're not doing any good inside of the person. And are they in the middle world because they lost their way or they can't get? I mean, how, how does a spirit? You know, that's some spirits just live in the middle world. That's oh, okay. they're spirits of rocks and trees and places. They're spirits of peoples, ancestors. Uh, there are just spirits. I don't know where they come from. I don't know where they are, but they're knocking around being spirits. Uh, but there are also spirits of people who have died who don't quite know what they're doing. Hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit, Susan? Yeah. Um, the spirits, if, if, a, a spirit, if someone has died and they have not gone to where they need to be content and peaceful, their spirit may be wandering in the middle world, confused. That could happen sometimes in sudden death. Um, I'm not really an expert in understanding how that happens or why, but that has happened. And, and they're, they're looking, they're suffering. They may not realize that they are. So if someone does have um, a space that needs filling, um, they might be looking for love. They might be looking for warmth. They're going to find a human body if they've been human. They're looking for that connection. Um, so we had mentioned um, depossession a little before. Um, sometime, you know, if, if uh, a wandering spirit that has not gone to the light comes into somebody, then that is known as... as possession. Um, people can certainly be helped. We compassionately help many people release that, that spirit, and we do it with a, um, our helping, compassionate, benevolent spirits who, who guide them to where they need to go, and that could be upper or lower world. It could be to their ancestral you know, home uh, where they, they're going to be reunited with their loved ones. And they can act, you know, some, some entities have indicated that they can see their loved ones. And, um, and they might be, they're very confused at times because they're not where they need to be. I also don't want to give the middle world a bad rap. <laughs> I want to, because we live in yeah. the middle world yeah. and it's such a beautiful place. Yeah. And we need to, you know, it, it's a, a for humans being in nature, and that is yeah. part of the shamanic path, too, in the sense that we um, are so grateful for the beauty of the world and our communication with all the plant spirits and the tree spirits. Um, the honoring of, of our web of life is so important, especially in, in times where there's so much environmental crisis going on and so many other issues going on that honoring the middle world um, and doing journeys to the beauty of our world because this is our experience in our bodies and the middle world is manifest of that and our thought forms um, can certainly um, help transmute and honor and keep our, our universe in more harmony and more peace. 
And so I, you know, the middle world certainly is, is a lovely place in lots of ways. It's just that the with um, understanding shamanism, we have to know what our intention is and what we're looking for. Because I, we've also helped a lot of people who have done joining on their own, been in the middle world, and didn't know exactly what was going on and, and got into a little bit of tight challenges um, because mm-hmm. they weren't clear about their intentions in the middle world and knowing the difference. And knowing the difference. Yeah. So we can also then <clears throat> access the plant medicine and... Right? Do you have there are helpers who do that, or is it plant helpers? Is it? Well, my experience has been that plants have spirits, and that is the experience of most shamanic practitioners around the world. Plants themselves have spirits, guardian spirits, and one can dialogue with those spirits. They're they're very different kind of spirits than human spirits or than than, than upper world, lower world ancestral spirits, but they are spirits. Uh, one way that many people traditionally throughout history have gotten to know. Uh, about plant medicine is by talking to the plants, spending time with them and letting the plant spirit emerge and dialoguing with the plant spirit about what it's there for. Plant spirits want to help, and the best way to find out is to ask them. I was uh, reading about um, someone who was doing this kind of work with plants and found that uh, that he uh, was mirroring Chinese herbal <laughs> uh, theory, as it were, through yeah. talking to the plants, which Absolutely. I thought was very, very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So um, I thought that's that's so interesting. Um, we only have a few minutes left. Okay. And I want to, uh, this has been so uh, interesting and extraordinary. And I believe before we leave, we should do a little closure. If those of you who were with us at the beginning... We uh, called in some spirit helpers, and, and I think we should probably, at, you know, since we only have a little time, make sure make sure that we close that circle before we, we leave. Hmm. Or open it, actually. Or open it. Yeah. Oh, open yeah. the circle, right. <laughs> and by the way, uh, those uh, we are speaking with Susan uh, uh, Bakley Marshall and Chris Marshall, shamanic healing practitioners from the... Um, the 13th Moon Center, and uh, we can tell how to reach you before we leave, but perhaps we can open that circle again. Well, let's spend a a couple of moments to note all the people in our circle, all the spirits in our circle, many of whom are human beings out there listening to us. We're all part of a web. We're all part of the circle that is W-E-R-U. We're going to open this circle up for now at the end of this program. We're also going to thank all of you for listening for being here with us, and thank all the spirits that have been working with us as well, seen and unseen, known and unknown to us, uh, that have been collaborating and bringing us to this point, bringing all of you out there to this point where we're in this circle together, and thanking all of us for being here. And now we can disperse and go our ways and recombine some future time. 
That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I want to thank our guests, Susan uh, Bakley Marshall and Chris Marshall for being here today. For more information about their practice and their classes, please go to their website, www.13thmooncenter.net, and that's 13th spelled out. I won't do that now, but www.13thmooncenter.net. You'll be able to find this and other Healthy Options programs under the Public Affairs Archives at weru.org. I want to thank Amy Brown for engineering, Joel Mann for his technical assistance, and to Petra Hall for her production assistance. Thanks to all of you for listening and supporting WERU Community Radio. I'm Rhonda Feynman, and I'm wishing you all good health. <laughs>